you know, have you ever, you ever, uh, you know, like, so those of you who are parents, you know, you ever, like, something happens that, like, freaks you out, maybe, like, your kid almost gets hit by a car or something like that, and all you want to do is hold them and look at them? It's kind of how I feel a little bit today. I kind of want you to, like, all just sit there while I stare at you. No, I'm just mad. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, it, it, but in all sincerity, I really do love you guys so much. Love uh, journeying with you and really care about you guys. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, as I was seeking the Lord, I just sensed from the Lord that He wanted me to talk today. He wanted me to share something. I think it's very prophetic for us. In fact, I think the Lord has been really speaking a lot to us these last couple weeks about how to respond in the midst of loss and sacrifice. Kurt Snobble spoke a couple of weeks ago about, um, about when we go through trials, that no matter what we're going through, not that that thing is from God, but that God takes what is bad and makes it good, that we're always going from glory to glory. And the way Kurt said is that if, when there's loss, get ready because God wants to give you more. When there's a trial, get ready because God wants to give you an upgrade. And so I just felt that was so profound, what Kurt said. And I believe the Lord wants to speak to us today about our response in the midst of loss. He wants to talk to us today about us giving Him a sacrifice of praise. You turn with me to Hebrews 13. And let me just kind of, for those of you who don't know, we've, uh, Charlie, as uh, Sam just mentioned, Charlie was a good friend of ours and he just went to heaven. He's not dead, Amen. He's, he's with the Lord. Uh, but we also had another friend a number of weeks ago who went to be with the Lord, Lorenzo Castro. Most of you probably don't know who he is. Uh, and uh, that's pretty tough. But we've, we've lost, uh, some of you know, some of the loss that we've had. And uh, this week, a friend of ours uh, his name is Chris Gall, and uh, he goes to our church. He was convicted of uh, conspiracy to commit fraud. Now, none of us believe he did it. <laughs> conspiracy means that they convicted him for knowing about it. You can read about it on the internet, so I'm telling you the details. I'm not necessarily divulging anything that's... Uh... But either way, there's a friend of ours that is in jail right now. It's, it's, so, it's so difficult. Um, and so, uh, you know, what do you do? You know, what do you do? What do you do if you're Chris? And, you know, again, I'm kind of on his side <laughs> uh, of saying he just didn't know what was going on. He's in court, he's being on trial, and what do you do? What do you do with that when you end up in jail? And you, you're like, I didn't, I didn't do anything. Uh, you know, what do you do when you lose good friends because of sin? What do you what do you do when somebody when we pray and we see healing and then we pray and they go to heaven? What do you, what do, you do? Uh, it's it's been tough. You know, it's been uh, it's been a tough season. But it's interesting, people ask me, how, you know, how are you guys doing and everything? And um, 
We've been, I've had like three viruses in the last few months. I never really get sick. And so I just, we've just been hit, getting hit. And uh, people ask you, how, how are we doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good on the inside. can't take my joy away. You can't stop me from praising the Lord, seeking His kingdom. Here's what we do. We grieve. We worship. You want to know how to respond when there's loss? You grieve and you worship. Look at uh, Hebrews 13 here. He says this in verse 15 and 16 about sacrifice of praise. So seeking the Lord, and I, I sense the Lord speak to us about this. He says in verse 15, Hebrews 13, he says, Therefore by Him, referring to Jesus, by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So the Hebrew author says that that we should be continually offering a sacrifice of praise to God. And he says it's called the fruit of our lips. Fruit of our lips. See, when there's loss, I want to encourage you, number one, to, to grieve. Whenever there's loss, whenever something has been taken from you, robbed from you, it's, it's not just okay to grieve, it's essential. To come to God and to pour out our soul to Him, to cry out to Him and to bring it before the Lord. It's not healthy to bottle it up. It's not healthy to ignore it. It's not healthy to numb out. It's not healthy to go and cope with it through alcohol or drugs or some other or some sort of sexual uh, uh, you know, sin. It's not good. See, what happens is our culture does not know how to grieve. Our culture does not teach us how to grieve. A lot of people in our culture, they'd rather just ignore it. They'd rather move through it really, really quick. And sometimes it can get even a spiritual spin on it, you know? Just put a smile on and yay God. But on the other hand, there's a lot of offense in the church, isn't there? There's a lot of people who are Christ followers, but they believe these lies about God. They think God is the one who kills, steals, and destroys. Whose job description is that? The enemies, right? Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said what? But I have come to give life and life abundantly. 
Jesus doesn't do killing, stealing, and destroying. That's not who He is. He is the resurrection and the life. He only has good for you. His will is for you. To thrive in His abundant life, His life, and in the good things He has for you. It's the enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Yet there's a lot of people in the church that they're angry at God because they believe that God is the reason for those things. If you find yourself mad at God or blaming Him, that's offense. You're believing a lie about Him. And you're allowing the enemy to rob you of that intimacy and that faith in the Lord. Remember Jesus shared those parables uh, about the sower sowing the word into our hearts? God sows His word into our heart that His word would produce a harvest in us. He sows His truth, His commandments, His ways, His promises into our life that it would produce that fruit. God wants it to produce fruit. It's not like the Lord puts the seed in your heart so then He could come along and steal it from your heart. God's the one trying to get His Word to come to pass in your life. Putting the Word into your heart. Sowing the Word like a seed into your heart. It's the enemy that comes to steal that thing out of your heart. And so He says that there's, remember He said that there's different types of soil. There's the hard soil, which is the hard heart. Somebody who just doesn't understand the Word. And it just, just gets taken away by the, by the enemy. Then there's those where the seed falls on stony ground, it says. And because there's rocks in the soil, the roots don't go deep enough. And he says, those people, when trials or tribulation comes, for the word's sake, Jesus says, that person falls away, or literally in the text it says, become offended. Why? Because their roots were shallow. Their roots were shallow. But the bottom line is, trials and tribulations, they will come. They will come. We live in a broken, fallen world. The kingdom has come, but not in full. And we can see, we, I mean, there's been lots of sickness around. And then Liz healed of bronchitis instantly. You know, what do you do with that? See, if you don't believe in healing, it's kind of easy. You're just like, eh, you know. But what happens when you believe the promises of God? And then they don't always seem to happen in this life the way you thought they would. See, it's actually harder to live by faith. It's harder to live believing God's Word. There's a lot of people out there, they say they're Christ followers, but they don't believe the Word. They don't believe, if I obey God's Word, He will back me. What do you do when you're Joseph and you walk in purity and integrity and you say no to Potiphar's wife and you end up in prison for it? What do you do with that? Do you become offended at God? How could you let this happen, God? I've been living for you. Is that what Joseph did? No. He walked in faith. 
Sometimes you obey God and it gets worse. Right? Sometimes it's when you start believing the promise. Actually, I should say every time. We've talked about this when we're going through the life of David. Every promise will be tested. It's when you believe God's word and you stand in faith, that seed goes into your heart, it will be tested. So we can, we've seen people healed of cancer. And then Charlie is in heaven now, healed. You see some people, their lives transformed by the power of the gospel, walking in God's ways. And then other people, they choose to go their own way. What do you do? We've got to learn how to grieve. But the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, we're not like those who grieve with no hope. Amen? The cross changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. We grieve with hope. We grieve, but we grieve with hope. When you grieve, you release it to the Lord. You don't hold it in. It's very, very unhealthy. In fact, that's why a lot of our culture continues to, a lot of people in our culture, because they don't grieve, they carry that thing inside of them in a very unhealthy way, and it leads to other types of addictions, and it leads to other ways of mourning. I mean, in the, in the Old Testament culture, just read the Bible. They grieved. I mean, I don't have time to do a Bible study on it right now. Read Lamentations. My goodness, the whole book is about grieving. But right there in the middle, right there in the very middle of the book of Lamentations, the whole book of the Bible called Lament, Grieve. That's what it means. Grieve. The whole book of a guy just crying out to God, saying, everything's gone. It's all burned. It's gone. It's done. And you know why? He was crying out because Jerusalem had been burned. Everything gone. You want to know why? Because they had sinned against the Lord. The Israelites continued to not repent. And God allowed their enemies to take them out. God even right up to the very end said, don't rebel against the king of Babylon. Don't do it and, you, and, your, and your temple won't be destroyed. Even up to the very end, God would have showed them mercy. He would have still exiled them. There would have still been consequences for their sin. But he just kept telling them, just submit to the king of Babylon. But that doesn't sound like a good uh, advice. To, would that, I mean, would that be good? I mean, if I went to like, you know, president so-and-so, you know, if this ever happened and just submit to that, you know, army, uh, and it'll be okay for us. I mean, that's basically what Jeremiah the prophet was doing. Jeremiah is like, just submit to the king of Babylon, and like, you won't, your, your, your city won't be destroyed, and the temple won't be destroyed. They wouldn't listen. They threw him in a pit. And Jerusalem and the temple were burned, destroyed, gone, because of their own sin, because of their own hardness of heart. And this guy in Lamentations, he's crying out to God, weeping, telling God of the loss. And then right there in the middle, he says, your mercies are new every morning. You know, that's where that verse comes from. Right there, in the midst of loss. But you are good. Your love endures forever. 
You are faithful. And your mercy endures forever. His mercy, that means His covenant loyalty. His covenant loyalty. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Right there in the midst of grieving. So important that we release our loss to the Lord. We grieve to God. But it's so important that we take an opportunity in the midst of loss to give to God something that you can't give Him any other time. Worship. Why? Because He hasn't changed. Because He's still good. Because He's still faithful. Because He's still seated on the throne as the sovereign almighty God. Amen? And Jesus is still alive. He's still building His church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail. Amen? None of those things have changed. Who He is and what He is doing has not changed. And He's that ever-present help in time of need. He's the one who comes near to, the Bible says, comes near to the brokenhearted. He's with us in the midst of loss. And so we have this example in the Scriptures of people who come to God. I mean, we're talking like just weeping crying. They put sackcloth on and poured dust on their head. They have a tradition in, in a, a Jewish tradition. You actually see this in the book of Job. It's called sitting Shiva where you go and when somebody has experienced loss, you go and you sit with them and you say nothing. You sit and you weep with them. Doesn't the Bible say that? In Romans 12, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. What does that mean? That we come together in solidarity to share in each other's loss. That if you're hurting, I'm hurting, right? And if you're rejoicing, I'm rejoicing. And yet in the midst of loss, we give Him a sacrifice of praise. In fact, Hebrews 13 actually says, continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Continually. Continually. How often is that? He's worthy of our praise, isn't He? Does that mean continually? Does that mean only at church on a Sunday morning? Does that mean come at the end of worship because, you know, it's going to be long? Sing a song and hear a message? Continually. Amen? Continually. That means uh, not stopping, by the way. Psalm uh, 34 says, Your praise will continually be on my lips. We're told to be a people who never grumble and complain. We're, we're told that no hint of sexual morality will be among us. No coarse joking, but rather thanksgiving. See, can you, be, can, you, can you say dumb things to your spouse? You know, can, you, can you be like negative or judgmental or uh, rude to your spouse if you're praising all the time? Can you grumble and complain about your circumstance if you're praising all the time? No, right? 
See, thankfulness is the greatest attitude. It's the healthiest emotion. You can't have the junk coming out of you if praise is coming out of you. And we're literally to offer a sacrifice of praise continually to the Lord. And listen to what it says, the fruit of our lips. Does it mean that you're supposed to like think about it all the time? No, the fruit of your lips. What does that mean? It means a song. That means words are coming out of your mouth all the time. This is what is to characterize believers. This is what is to characterize our speech. This is what is to characterize our life. We should be known as a singing people, as a praising people all the time. This is what should mark us. People who worship all the time. But he calls it a sacrifice. Sacrifice costs you something, doesn't it? Sacrifice costs you something. Every morning when you wake up, feel like, feel like it? Feel like opening your mouth and praising Him? Maybe not always, right? Feel tired? You want to open your mouth and praise Him? When you're going through something and you feel like you just got hit hard, Yes, somebody punched you in the gut, spiritually speaking. You feel like worshiping? No. That's why it's a sacrifice. See, when we get to heaven, we'll see the Lord. We'll see Him. Our faith will be sight. Our hope will be realized. We'll see the Lord. We'll know as we're fully known. And there won't be anything to say except for woo <laughs> hallelujah no i mean that the bible says joy and glory that's what that's what it's going to be we're going to see that god was absolutely faithful in the end every promise fulfilled amen and you will give him a praise you'll say all the glory and we'll just rejoice before him so so great The joy will be so great that the Bible says it will be a deafening sound like the sound of many thunders. Like it will be the most, the loudest, most amazing sound. People from every tribe and language, people group coming together and we will lift up a shout of praise. I remember I was at the Angels uh, game when they won the pennant about 10 years ago. Dude, it was loud the whole time, and then if they did something good, it went like another. It went to a whole nother level of loud. You you know you just deafening sound the whole game. You can't even imagine. I can't even. I, it's hard. I mean, I experienced it, so I can imagine. You can't even imagine just a deafening sound. People cheering the whole game, and then they get a then and then and then they you know they they score a run and the sound just went, it's insane. How loud it was. That was, what is that, 40,000 people or so. That's nothing. There will be billions in heaven. Billions. We'll worship Him. 
but you'll see on that day, right? But you get, you get one chance in this life to praise Him when you can't see. That's a sacrifice of praise. And when you go through loss, you have an opportunity to praise Him. You have an opportunity to give Him a sacrifice of praise, something you'll never be able to do at any other time in all of eternity. What do you do? You grieve. You say to God, I have lost. You release it to Him. And I, 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 I strongly encourage you, you go to Him and you grieve. Even if you're with friends. But you go to the Lord. You give it to God. You tell the Lord what you have lost. You tell the Lord. When I found out about Chris, I, I mean, I grieve for my own loss, sure, but I wept for him. That's what I had. I came before the Lord and I wept. I had no words. Just wept. The power of tears. <clears throat> but um, but then we worship because he's good. There's something about funerals. There, there's maybe one of the most powerful things we do here on this earth before Jesus returns. They're really, really important for us as believers to grieve with hope. Right? Because they're not dead. We come before the Lord and we grieve our loss. But then we rejoice in the Lord. And we lift up praise to God. And we say, Jesus, we declare... You have defeated death. You are the resurrection and the life. You have gained the victory. And you are coming soon. And what happens, even though it's hard, even though funerals are difficult, they're so important. Not just, I always tell people you know, at funerals, it's important to grieve. It's important to honor them. It's important to honor somebody who has uh, gone to be with the Lord. It's important to honor their life, to celebrate their life. You know, funerals where somebody was not a believer, this is one of the hardest things ever. And that we should never be okay with that. That somebody is not in heaven. But when it's a believer, we grieve but we rejoice. And there's something about that funeral when we worship Him that solidifies our faith. Does it make sense? That in the midst of that person going to be with the Lord, we say, we believe Jesus is coming back. He's the firstborn from the dead and we're going to be resurrected with Him one day. There's something about that solidifies our faith. When I was at Lorenzo's funeral a few, uh, oh, I don't know, a month ago, we were worshiping the Lord. 
And Lorenzo had been in a wheelchair for years, virtually quadriplegic. We prayed for him, prayed for him, and prayed for him, and prayed for him. And he went to be with the Lord. Right now, he's in heaven. He doesn't have his glorified body yet, those of you who are curious about that. But he is with the Lord. He's not in a wheelchair anymore. He's walking. And one day, Jesus is coming back. And Lorenzo, with all of us, we're going to get a body that's just like Jesus. Resurrected, glorified body. No more sickness, no more dying, no more pain. And as I worshiped the Lord, and as I praised Him and cried, said to the Lord, made a commitment. I'm not going to stop preaching it's your will to heal people. Lorenzo knows it's truth. <laughs> he knows. I said, for his sake, it's your will that people be healed, Lord. It's your will. You purchased healing with your blood. By his stripes, he, we are healed. I said, I said, to honor your name, Jesus. For, the, for Lorenzo's sake, I'm not holding back. I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to I'm not going to stop declaring what the truth is and what God's will is. Preach your gospel, Lord. Full gospel. See, that's the importance of that funeral. To release to the Lord. and To worship Him. To give Him a sacrifice of praise. Right here on earth. You know, we've been studying King David and, and uh, we kind of transitioned out of that series We've been studying David, and this is exactly what he did, didn't he? Constantly worshiping the Lord, amen? And what did he do when everything was taken away from him? Everything was taken away. We, we've been seeing this. He worshiped, didn't he? He lifted up a song of praise. What happened after 10 years of being chased by Saul? Had he stopped praising? No. He never blamed God. He walked in integrity. He continued to worship the Lord. That's why we have so many psalms. Another, I think it's, we have so many psalms because David went through so much. We're talking about 10 years of him being chased by King Saul. And that wasn't even everything he went through. And yet what did he do when, the, when his city was burned and his, his wives were taken and all the men thought about stoning him? What did he do? The bottom of the bottom of the bottom. And what did he do? He worshipped. First he wept. Then he worshipped. They went before the Lord and they wept, all of them, until they had no more strength. Even David, he wept. He wept before the Lord. Then he got up. He said, you are good. And you will fulfill your promise for my life. That's walking by faith and not by sight. Amen? And let me tell you, that's integrity. One thing to be a fair weather friend, right? It's one thing. You love Jesus and you, you sing a couple songs when things are going good. But there's something, I'm telling you, that's integrity, what David did, and that's a, tr- a real man. To stand up in the midst of loss when everybody wants to kill him, and he just starts worshiping. Want to know Why? Because you have no, no evidence around you. Nothing. 
Talk about walking by faith and not by sight. Everything says the contrary. Everything says, God probably doesn't even like you anymore. You probably did something wrong. Everything says, uh, yet I don't see favor on your life. Everything says, I'm not really sure if God's going to keep those promises for you. That's what everything says. But what did David believe? The Word. Nope, still going to walk in God's ways. Nope, still going to praise Him. Nope, He's still faithful. He's still worthy. His promises are still true. He's still good. He still loves me. What did David do when... You remember the instance, in, it's in 2 Samuel 12? Remember when he committed sin with Bathsheba? Right? He committed adultery. Not only that, is he had so hardened his heart, he was so walking in self-deception that he had a man killed, Bathsheba's wife, I mean husband, I mean, sorry. For months, he walks in such deception that he has an affair, commits adultery with another man's wife, has him murdered, does not repent. I mean, honestly, this is a man after God's own heart. It's the scariest thing I can ever think of to live in self-deception like that. I mean, this is horrible, right? Nathan the prophet comes to David and confronts David. He confronts David with a story. David says, you know, he, he basically uh, uh, crafts this story about a man who stole another man's sheep. It's actually a great way to confront somebody with self-deception, by the way, is get them to think about this situation and get them to realize, if you can, by the grace of God. It's really what, this is what God's grace does. And God's grace says, you're that man. That's what Nathan said. David goes, what? I can't believe that man did that. And Nathan goes, you're that man. What did David do? David could have had him killed. Would not have ended well for David. What did David do? He repented. Fell on his face before God and he repented. Cried out to God. In Psalm 51 he says, I've sinned against you, O God. He realized that his heart had been wrong. He cried out to the Lord for mercy. And the Lord, the Lord did show him mercy, but it wasn't without consequence. David experienced tremendous loss over the course of a number of years. He lost two sons. His daughter was, uh, was basically raped. Actually, he lost three sons in total. Bathsheba became pregnant. She was carrying a, a, a son inside of her womb. She was about to lose the baby. All because of the sin, because of David's sin. And the Lord restored and the Lord redeemed. In fact, it's amazing actually what happened. David was fasting and praying before the Lord while, while Bathsheba was uh, about to lose the son. He was just crying out to God for mercy. He knew that this was because of his own sin. And he was just crying out to God for mercy, fasting and praying. And then what happened was he found out the baby had died. He went, washed himself, went into the house of the Lord. It says in 2 Samuel 12, it says, 
and he worshipped. It was, it was so odd to his friends, to his co-workers or his servants, they even asked him, David, why did you fast and pray, which is a sign of mourning, before the baby died, and now you're worshipping? I mean, like, worshipping, like shouting, rejoicing, praising God, like, praise you, Lord, you're awesome, God. Like, why, why are you doing that now? Shouldn't you be grieving now? He said, no, I was fasting and praying because I, I didn't know maybe God would be merciful, gracious to me. He was repenting before the Lord. And the Lord did have mercy on him, but he still had to go through that consequence. But he said when the baby you know, went to be with the Lord, David worshipped. We, we need to be like that. See, think about it. David in the midst of loss because of his own sin. And yet what did he do? He worshipped. No matter what the loss is, see, funerals can make it easier, right? Somebody dies, and you, you can go and you can grieve. But what happens when there's loss that you don't know how to grieve it? We need to come together, probably. We need to come together. But even if you're by yourself, you grieve before the Lord. But then I want to challenge you to lift up a sacrifice of praise, to lift up worship to the Lord, and say, God, this, this stinks. This is horrible. Tell him. Tell him the truth. And then declare, you're worthy. Begin to declare how good he is. And give to him praise. But I also want to challenge you that don't just do this, obviously, you know, when it's hard. Continually, Hebrews 13 says, continually offer a sacrifice of praise. And don't forget to do good. Our giving, our financial giving, our service to one another, laying down our lives for other people when somebody's going through a hard time and you go out of your way to help them. That's a sacrifice, right? That's a sacrifice. You make sacrifices for other people. That sacrifice isn't just to help them. It's a worship to God. And the scriptures are telling us in Hebrews 13 to do this all the time. What I'm saying is we need, we as a church need to give to the Lord a sacrifice of praise every day. Every day that you would wake up and give to Him the praise that is due His name. I mean, for sure, we've talked about this recently. When you praise Him, His presence comes. When you praise Him, He lifts you up above circumstances. When you praise Him, the power of God comes and brings freedom and healing and deliverance. I mean, it's powerful when you worship the Lord. Powerful. But you know, we don't worship the Lord for any of those reasons. It's amazing. When you worship the Lord, the Bible says it strengthens your faith. It's so important that we worship God and His presence comes and we get blessed and and His presence comes and does mighty things on our behalf. There's so many times you'll worship the Lord. You'll see breakthrough happen. Remember David? We were just talking about a little bit ago where he lost everything and it says he worshiped God and then he asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God said, go chase after that army and you'll recover recover everything. And he did, right? That's what happens when you worship. When you worship, it builds up your faith and it brings you into the presence of God so you can hear his voice and so that God can bring breakthrough in your life. But we don't worship for any of those reasons, do we? I love Psalm 18. It says this, I will call upon the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised. 
and so shall I be saved from my enemies. Right there. Who is worthy to be praised? When you wake up in the morning and you're tired, when you don't feel like it, when you're, when you're going through a hard time and all of your emotional energy is gone because you have wept till you had no strength, where you just got boom, bad news and, and it took something out of you, don't forget David had no strength in himself. He'd wept till everything was out of him. But what, what did David do? What are we to do? To continually offer a sacrifice of praise. Not because we feel like it. Not because, oh, I'll feel better. Although you will. Not because I'll be saved from my enemies. Even though you will. God will recover. God will bring breakthrough. But you don't get the deliverance and the recovery and the freedom and the breakthrough without giving Him what He's worth. You've got to give Him what he's, what's due Him, what He deserves. He's worthy to be praised. We've got to give to Him that sacrifice of praise to say, Lord, You're worthy. You're the Creator and You're the Savior. And you're worthy because of who you are and because of what you've done. You're worthy of my praise. And it's only people who give Him what is due Him, who give Him the glory due His name, who give Him the sacrifice of praise just because He's worthy that see the deliverance. A lot of people, they want the, all these things shall be added unto you without the seek first the kingdom. We've got to do what He says, amen? And we've got to give Him our whole heart. Our whole heart. You know, if you put, you want a soda, you put 25 cents in, you're not going to get a soda, are you? Maybe back in the day you would. I've never seen that. <laughs> Maybe back when I was a kid, it was like 50 cents. Now it's like a dollar, dollar 25, right? You put 25 cents in, you're not going to get a soda. Put another 25 cents in, you're not going to get a soda. Put another 25 cents in, you're not going to get a soda. Maybe, some places, 75 cents. What do you got to do? If it says dollar, I want a Coke. And it says dollar, what do you got to do? You got to put a dollar in there. He wants all of our hearts. There's something about God. But until you give Him all of it, not getting it. Seek first the kingdom. Amen? Give Him what He's worth. What I was just quoting uh, uh, earlier. You will search for me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. See, you can go through the motions. You can make your, we can look good in front of other people. Right? We can, we can look good in front of other people. We can go through the motions. We can fake everyone out except for God. You can fake yourself out. You can't fake God. He knows if it's all of your heart. He wants it all. The crazy thing is He wants to pour out blessings. He wants to move mightily on your behalf. He loves, the Bible says, He loves to show Himself strong on behalf of those who fear Him and are loyal to His name. He loves it. Remember David? David and Goliath? 
Why do you think God came through for David? That, that took his whole heart, huh? He said, I'm going to take you out, giant. I'm going to take you out. David laid his life on the line, totally risking everything in faith that God's going to come through for him. And David, and I think God's like, that's my boy. That's my boy. See, God loves to show himself strong on behalf of others. A few months ago, I came home. Normally, I, I spend time with the Lord, and I come home, and I'm ready to spend time with my kids, you know? I came home, I went right into the bedroom. I just started worshiping. Michelle later told me, she said, uh-oh, something must be wrong. Isn't that funny? I'm worshiping, she thinks something wrong. <laughs> and, and there's times I worship the Lord, you know, I worship the Lord at home in the morning or something like that, but she knows. I come home, I'm going to be usually focused on the kids. I went home, I went into my room, and I just started weeping before the Lord started weeping. And I started worshiping him, praising him. I used to not be like that. I used to bottle everything up. Years ago, I just took me it was really hard for me to grieve. Really hard for me to release those things to the Lord. I remember um, one of the hardest things Michelle and I ever went through was when we were first married. It would have been about ten years ago. We were married in October and pregnant by November. <laughs> Newlyweds, right? And uh, <laughs> Michelle was pregnant with twins. And, you know, we're scared, but we were excited too. And by January or something like that, went to go do the ultrasound, January, February, something like that. Went to go do the ultrasound. There was no heartbeats. And so we prayed. We waited on the Lord. About a month later, she went through one of the hardest things that she's ever been through. Painful and traumatic experience. Miscarried two, two babies. And, uh, you know, my, we still talk about those kids. My Emma and John David know about those two babies in heaven. They know they have a brother and sister named John and Emma in heaven. <laughs> we were gonna, so they know that whole story. But I remember, I, I just, I, I didn't know how to grieve. I didn't know what to do. You know, you feel, you feel like I could have done more. There's that, there's that shame, at least for me, there was that. I didn't know what to do. Michelle was able to grieve and able to experience that loss. It was very, very difficult for her. It was difficult for me uh, in different ways. But I remember a few months later, I think I had dropped Michelle off at the airport. For I think maybe she was going to go see her parents, and I, w- I was going to go to a, a church service. I was just going to go spend time with the Lord. It was like a Friday night or a Saturday night or something. And I get, uh, I, I was driving there. I was on my way. To actually, yeah. So I was on my way. I was in Pasadena, driving in my car, and I had some worship music playing. And it hadn't. It wasn't like the first time I talked to the Lord about it, but I just, I just didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know what to. Didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to feel. Just kind of numb for a couple months, you know. I didn't. Re- my parents were supportive, and my and the church. The church was awesome, but I, I just didn't know. I wouldn't have known how to reach out or anything. So I just kind of held it in. And um, probably a couple years before this, the Lord had broken that spirit of offense in me. Really, had broken that that anger. I would be easily offended at people, but I also just I was kind of angry at God. I would 
kind of, but he had broken that. And as I was driving in my car, um, the worship music was playing, and I just began to weep. I began to weep before the Lord. I began to say to him, you didn't do this. This is not your will. We live in a broken, fallen world. I just began to weep before the Lord. I began to just bless him, cry out to him. I got to the church and went right in, went to the front, just got on my face before God, began to weep before the Lord. And say, this is horrible. This is not good. This is not right. This is wrong that the enemy would do this. And began to just release that to the Lord. Just tell him, this is an injustice. This is wrong. I don't like this. Not blaming him. Not being like, eh, it happens. No. No, there's loss. It's not good. And I wept before the Lord. And then I worshipped him. And I gave him a sacrifice of praise. That I'll never be able to do ever in heaven. I said to him, you're good. And I believe that you're good. You're faithful. I love you. And I trust you. See, that costs you something, doesn't it? That's a sacrifice. Because he's worthy of it. Because he didn't change. And so, obviously I believe as a a church, we've been through a lot, and God's going to bring breakthrough and victory. God's taking us to another level of glory. The way you position yourself, worship. If there's been loss, grieve. If there's not been loss, don't grieve. But either way, all of us, we as a church, we need to give to the Lord a sacrifice of praise continually. Amen?